Strong Opinion Sports is powered by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 581. Welcome in. I want to be very clear. I am very sick. I do not feel well. I believe it's a sinus infection. I like I don't I can't hear myself very well. I'm not doing great. If my voice sounds kind of weird, that's why I'm just very sick and pushing through recording on a Sunday night. Uh, again, Hawaii time zone is fantastic because the primetime game is at 2 p.m. And then you get to watch it, record afterward on a Sunday night. Here we are. So I'm doing my best. Um, I did not go to something really cool happened this weekend. I want to really briefly share. Um, there's a listener of the show named Joel who reached out to me. And one of my favorite things about this job is that you occasionally get people who reach out to you saying, hey, do you want to meet up? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And uh, he said, do you want to go to a a Hawaii high school football game? Now, unfortunately, the game we tried to go to, Kahuku against St. John Bosco, was actually sold out. We couldn't go. Kahuku did knock off St. John Bosco. It was very cool. Um, But I wanted to share a little story. I think that's awesome. And later in the month, I think actually, I guess October, I think on October 7th, we're going to go watch Kahuku against Campbell. Kahuku is this legendary town of like 2,200 people that just is crazy for football. And again, they just beat like the second best team in the entire nation in high school football. It's going to be a really fun game day atmosphere. Um, So I'm excited for that. But I just wanted to share like one of the cool things about this job is getting to interact with people who send me messages and have cool opportunities here and there. And I really love that, man. I think it's awesome. I'm wearing the Tua shirt. Hasn't been taken out in a while. The Tua shirt is in celebration of Tua winning tonight on Sunday Night Football. Before we get into the show, we do got to pay the bills. But before we get into the ad break real quick, I want to ask, I felt like the games I watched this weekend were mundane, a bit not super compelling. I don't know if it's because I was super sick. I don't know. Like, I watched the Cardinals-Giants game. That was really fun. Washington came back and beat Denver. We'll talk about that today. But I, I feel like a lot of the games this weekend were kind of like, uh, you know, like, and I'm, I'm curious, maybe what I want to do. So I'm recording tonight, Sunday night. Then I'll record again on Tuesday. I've got a lot of football to watch tomorrow because I can't get to every game on a Sunday. I'm one man watching football by myself. Um, but feel free to write in. Let me know. Whatever stuff I don't include in this episode, what am I... Is there something I'm missing? I'm going to watch the Rams game tomorrow. I'm going to watch Houston against Indy tomorrow. I think there's a conversation to be had about whether Anthony Richardson needs to do more to protect himself, for example. But um, feel free to write in. If you have... I don't want to miss out on the good story from week two, but I I felt like the football I watched today on Sunday was kind of like, eh, you know, not the best games. For example, Sunday Night Football, we'll talk about in a moment. But before we do that, before we get into Sunday Night Football, let's take a break. We got to pay the bills. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options from spreads, player props, overs and unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston. That's FanDuel.com Boston. And kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, 
official partner of the NFL. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. You know, I always say pay the bills. I never thought about the Bills mascot, you know, the Buffalo Bills mascot. The Buffalo Bills, I always assumed was a reference to Buffalo Bill, the old cowboy whatever figure. What if it's just the Bills in general? Like, what's more terrifying, Buffalo Bill or just your monthly rent bill? <laughs> maybe maybe we should look at the Buffalo Bills mascot a little bit differently, saying, no, it's the actual bills you got to pay. That's the real terrifying force that is the Bills mascot. Um, let's jump in. On Sunday night football, Miami beat the Patriots 24-17. to To me, it was a frustrating, disappointing game. Miami was up 17-3 to at halftime, then later 24-10. to uh, the Patriots got two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to make it a one-score game, make it a little more interesting, but I was hoping for a closer, more back-and-forth game. We didn't get that. I found that disappointing. It was better. This Sunday night football game in Week 2 was better than Week 1 between the Giants and Cowboys. 40 and nothing was not very fun to watch. Um, but for the Patriots' offense, this game was a story of too little, too late. If you're watching on YouTube and you see random cuts in this episode, it's because I'm hacking up a lung, literally like a bunch of yellow phlegm into a little cup over here. So um, the show must go on. So it was a shame that the Patriots offense, to me, didn't do enough to win this football game because their defense played really well. I thought they really limited Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, the two stud receivers in Miami. You know, Jalen Waddell had four catches for 86 yards. That's a lot of yards, but not very many catches, no touchdowns. Tyreek Hill had five catches for 40 yards, one touchdown. As far as a game against Miami, that's a pretty moderate amount of yards and touchdowns for those two guys. In fact, later in the game, in the fourth quarter, Miami took a deep shot to Tyreek Hill, and it got picked off by Patriots rookie corner Christian Gonzalez. So I thought all things considered, especially when you you know talk about the fact that the Patriots defense from you know the night had a backup corner on one side of the field the entire game. I thought the Patriots' defense did enough to win this football game. You hold Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle to one touchdown combined, less than 100 yards for each of them, nine catches between the two. That's a pretty solid night on defense. And to me, the real story is that the Patriots' offense just cannot score enough points. And Mac Jones, their quarterback, isn't awful in New England. He made some good plays in the fourth quarter, did a couple times, a couple things where he was extending a play, Made a couple throws. I thought Mac Jones was not horrible in this football game, but he never really is. But he's also never very often amazing and outstanding. There's a reason why last year I gave him a nickname Mac Oatmeal Jones because oatmeal is not a great breakfast, but it's also not horrible. It's just fine. And Mac Jones is exactly that. And one moment that really stands out to me is the Patriots got the ball down seven points with two minutes and 14 seconds left. And in the past, during the Tom Brady era, that felt like a guaranteed touchdown. Tom Brady with the ball late in the game. You're like, okay, we're going to overtime because Tom Brady's going to tie the game here. And we didn't get that. I don't want to always compare Mac Jones to Tom Brady. I've tried to be very conscious in not doing that. 
But it was really apparent in this game, like, oh, man, this is not the same Patriots team at quarterback without Tom Brady. And it's time to start questioning Patriots head coach Bill Belichick because in the three years since Tom Brady left New England, the Patriots, three years and two games now, the Patriots are 25 and 30 since Tom Brady left. One year with Cam Newton, two years with Mac Jones. Since Tom Brady left, the Patriots have simply been mediocre. And it's frustrating. It's disappointing because I feel like they've got good pieces here and there and they do some good stuff coaching-wise, but they're always just not good enough. And right now the Patriots are 0-2. I would love to hear from their fan base, see how they feel about it. Now Miami's 2-0. And a couple guys stood out for Miami. They were uh, running back Raheem Mostert at 18 carries for 121 yards and two touchdowns. So Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle were bottled up pretty much the entire game. But Raheem Mostert went crazy, two touchdowns, 121 yards rushing. Um, And then pass rusher Jalen Phillips did not play in this football game. Stepping up in his place was Andrew Van Ginkle, a former fifth-round pick out of Wisconsin. Dude had six tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, was getting a ton of pressure on Mac Jones. It was really cool to see. Um, I became a fan of Andrew Van Ginkle watching this football game. Now, actually, the coolest and most notable play from this game, the one that we'll be talking about probably uh, the rest of the year, was when the Patriots blocked a Miami field goal. Braden Schooler got a running start off the, I guess, what's from the kicking perspective off the right side of the line of scrimmage. I always talk about from the offensive perspective. Braden Schooler comes off the right, gets a running start, jumps the snap and runs and blocks the field goal. And it was really interesting because it was him getting a full steam ahead. I don't know what the indication was. Maybe he was waiting for the... Usually the holder gives some kind of signal to the center to snap the ball. Maybe that's when he started running. I got to watch the All-22 to see what happened there. But to me, it was a potentially game-changing play that's going to make— there's going to be a, a, an effect from that where people are going to start copying that play and going to have defenders come get a running start off the edge to go block field goals. And even the second field goal, he didn't block the second field goal attempt Miami took after that. But what he did do is, I think, distract the kicker enough. The next kick was a miss, and I wonder, Chris Collins would have felt the same thing watching the game. Did that rush coming off the edge creep into the back of the kicker's mind and take his eyes off the snap and off of his job a little bit? That's the play of the game that we're going to talk about in weeks to come because I could see that happening in college. I could see at all levels of football, people start copying that play that Braden Schooler made, getting a running start off the edge and going to block that field goal. Now, Miami's next two games are Denver at home. They play Denver and Miami. Then they play at Buffalo. And uh, if you've been watching the Denver Broncos at all this year, it's very likely that Miami's going to be 3-0 going into that big game against Buffalo. And I am hoping and praying that that game, Miami at Buffalo Week 4, is going to be a beautiful, awesome, exciting football game. Now, the Patriots' next two games are... At the Jets and then at Dallas. And the Jets game is winnable. That's against a tough defense, but a very winnable game. Zach Wilson against the Patriots defense feels like a recipe for disaster for the Jets. But the Cowboys game is going to be ugly. We have watched the Cowboys defense absolutely dominate everybody they played. Two games so far this year, they've crushed everybody. Lots of turnovers, lots of interceptions, sacks, getting after the quarterback. <clears throat> I... I am worried about Mac Jones when he plays against the Cowboys defense. I think that's a disaster matchup. And I think most quarterbacks that play against the Dallas Cowboys defense are going to struggle. So, I don't know. Patriots are 0-2 right now. 
very likely going to start the year one and three. Uh, if not, zero oh and four. They got to win next week against the Jets. You have to win that football game. Zach Wilson, the starting quarterback for the Jets, you got to win that matchup. Can you imagine if the Patriots start the year zero oh and four? It's really bad. I've always been a, a, on the train that Bill Belichick gets to walk away whenever he wants. You win six Super Bowls, you get the longest leash in NFL history, right? He's going to decide when he stops coaching for the Patriots. But I also think you have to start questioning what he's doing because it's just, again, since Tom Brady left, the Patriots have been nothing but extremely mediocre and average. And uh, I keep waiting and hoping to see the Patriots get back to what they once were. But I think we've learned that what made the Patriots dynasty special was Tom Brady, the quarterback, more than Bill Belichick, the coach. I know that's blasphemous. I know that's... You know, you're not supposed to say that, but I just constantly have been overwhelmed by this Patriots team ever since Tom Brady left, and uh, mm, I just find it really frustrating. Talk about things that are frustrating. Kansas City beat the Jaguars 17-9. to I'm not frustrated that the Chiefs won this football game. I'm disappointed that it wasn't a close, hard-fought game. I, I wanted—really, I wanted a shootout. So it wasn't—it was 7-6 to at halftime. It wasn't like— it wasn't a close game, but, um, I mean, the Jaguars didn't even get a touchdown in this football game. So maybe, to me, this game was a victim of my expectations, but I was hoping for an epic, fun battle between Trevor Lawrence and Patrick Mahomes. And instead, what we got was kind of a kind of a defensive battle. Um, not the best game from Trevor Lawrence. The Jaguars were 0-3 in the red zone. They had two field goals and a turnover on downs. Now, the Jaguars did catch two touchdowns, or I guess, sorry, the Jaguars caught four passes in or around the end zone, but they were all either out of bounds completely or had only one foot in bounds. And so there were opportunities the Jaguars had they didn't capitalize on. And it's worth noting also that the Jaguars' number one overall pick from last year in 2022, Trevon Walker, basically had no impact in the game. And we've had this conversation before to the Jaguars draft the wrong guy. Aiden Hutchinson was available, and they drafted Trevon Walker instead. Week one against Kansas City, the same team that Trevon Walker just played, Aiden Hutchinson made a massive impact in that football game, getting after Patrick Mahomes, causing problems for the Chiefs offense. We did not see Trevon Walker doing that in week two of this year. That's frustrating. It's, a again, a, a great comparison point to say, huh, Aiden Hutchinson is way farther ahead in his development than Trevon Walker. <clears throat> now, here's what stands out about Kansas City. Number one, Travis Kelsey came back. Travis Kelsey, the tight end in Kansas City, had four catches for 26 yards and a touchdown. That's a decent first game back. He actually, I thought, had a touchdown. He dropped. He could have caught. It went through his hands. Would have been not the easiest catch ever, but was a catchable ball for Travis Kelsey. He dropped that. Felt like he was a slow return, like kind of a slow return back to playing um, this week in week two. And then what's really interesting to me is that 11 different receivers caught passes for Kansas City in this football game. Sky Moore had three catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. Kadarius Toney, the massive problem from week one as they lost to the Lions. He had a bunch of notable drops, one that went for an interception. Um Kadarius Toney actually caught the most passes of any receiver on Kansas City's roster week two. He was targeted five times, caught all five passes, five catches for 35 yards. That's awesome. Patrick Mahomes on the day was 29 for 41 passing, 305 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And <clears throat> the guys that Patrick Mahomes 
is throwing to really, really stand out to me and make me feel more impressed with Patrick Mahomes. Yes, we know about Travis Kelsey. He's throwing to Travis Kelsey. He's a stud. Probably the best receiving tight end in football. But then you've got Sky Moore, a second-round pick in 2022. Justin Watson, a fifth-round pick in 2018. Noah Gray, a fifth-round pick in 2021. Rasheed Rice, a second-round pick. He's a rookie. Kadarius Toney's a former first-round pick, but he was viewed as a bust in New York, ended up in Kansas City, but didn't really work out uh, when he was drafted. Casey running back Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh-round pick in 2022. To me, it's just cool to see how much Patrick Mahomes does well and moves the football and stacks yards and completions and, and frankly, wins without star players around him. And to me, Patrick Mahomes is so good that Kansas City can get away with not having premier talent at the receiver position, and I find that really interesting and exciting. Now, this was a tough loss for the Jaguars. Kansas City gave them opportunities. Ridgie James fumbled a punt. Justin Watson fumbled. Patrick Mahomes threw an interception. Kansas City had three turnovers, and Jacksonville only got three points off of it. To me, it was an extremely disappointing offensive game for the Jaguars. And, uh, you know, I just, man, I, I really wanted more from this football game. I, I was hoping for a fun, really a shootout, right? Again, this game might have been a good game and a better game than I'm giving it credit for. But I was just expecting more. And so maybe, again, this game is a victim of my expectations. But to me, this game didn't live up to the hype of, what it was. I mean, last year was a great playoff game between the Jaguars and Kansas City. And, uh, you know, this week, week two, just not my favorite game I watched uh, on Sunday. Now, the game that was really exciting, um, the Giants had a wild comeback. They were losing to Arizona 20 to nothing at halftime. Then in the second half, they made it 28 to seven. And the Giants came back and won. They won 31 to 28 against Arizona. It was crazy, man. I was really worried at halftime when the Giants were down 20 to nothing because they lost week one 40 to nothing. Then in the first half of week two, they're losing 20 to nothing. I'm like, man, you've been outscored 60 to nothing in the first six quarters of football. But the comeback was awesome. In the second half, the Giants scored every time they had a football. Four touchdowns and a field goal. Daniel Jones played really well. Daniel Jones was 26 for 37 passing at 321 yards. He threw two touchdowns. He had an interception, but he also ran for a touchdown. Daniel Jones was awesome. Saquon Barkley, the Giants running back, had two touchdowns. He ran for one. He caught one. But the bad news of this football game is, yes, the Giants won. They kicked the field goal to win the game with 19 seconds left. But right before that field goal, <clears throat> a couple plays earlier, Saquon Barkley left the game with an ankle injury and looked pretty bad. He, he was getting helped off the field and... The Giants play on Thursday night at San Francisco. I can't imagine Saquon's going to play in that game. And I'm hoping it's a minor injury and Saquon Barkley isn't out for an extended period of time. But we'll find out tomorrow on Monday how bad the injury is. But still, not a great game. Uh, not a great—how do I even say this? Awesome game for the Giants. Winning 31-28. to Huge comeback. Really fun. They needed it after a horrible loss week one. They'll play the 49ers on Thursday night. That feels like another loss. So they were headed towards an 0-3 start, and coming back and beating Arizona after being down by so much, that's a massive victory for them, but it's definitely jaded a little bit because of the Saquon Barkley injury and the implications of how long is he going to be out and how bad is it. Um, there's a whole conversation to be had about, you know, he wanted a long-term contract, the Giants didn't want to give it to him. I, I hate to say it, this is part of why. 
And I, I don't know what the answer here is when it comes to running back contracts because, frankly, you can just draft another running back in the draft who can do good stuff. And running backs feel so interchangeable. Again, I would just say, if you're a young athlete, catch passes, don't play running back, play receiver. You're more valuable. You'll get better paid. Um, you're going to get hit less. I, I just think the running back position is a it's a situation I wouldn't want to be in. You're, you're never going to get paid a ton of money. You're going to have more injuries than everybody else, and, and people are going to penalize you for everything you do that's good because the more yards you get, uh, the more hits you take, the more people are going to assume you're going to be injured sooner and not want to pay you. So it's just a bad situation, and um, we'll see how long Saquon Barkley is out. Now another team in the same division— the Giants had a big comeback. Another NFC East team, the Washington Commanders, also had a big comeback. Denver led Washington 21-3 to in the first half. And Denver ended up losing 35-33. to 35-33 after a 21-3 lead in the first half. And now, the Broncos did hit a Hail Mary at the end of the game to make it a two-point game. Uh, they did not get the two-point conversion. Denver went 4-2 to try to tie the game. It felt like there was a pretty obvious pass interference penalty that was not called and got overlooked. I'm like, hey, that's... I'm not saying you, you don't give two free points to the Denver Broncos, but they should have lined up and ran it again because there was definitely pass interference on that play that wasn't called that was kind of irritating. But to me, you know, Denver was pretty good in the first half and pretty bad in the second half. It was a tale of two halves for the Denver Broncos. And my confidence in... Russell Wilson is at an all-time low. When Sean Payton took over the Saints, they won immediately. They started off 2-0. Sean Payton with the Denver Broncos is 0-2. And Russell Wilson hasn't been bad enough to bench. He played, I thought, a pretty solid game week one. Uh, extended plays well. He wasn't as good in this football game. But I am starting to worry. What do you do with Russell Wilson if it doesn't work out? between him and Sean Payton. The, the doubt is starting to creep in for me where I'm like, I was expecting better from Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. And I don't want to overreact. Denver's 0-2, but only by a combined three points. You know, they lost by one point in week one, two points in week two. But it's still not great. And I'm growing more and more worried about Russell Wilson. I just, I'm like, oh man, you know? He had a horrible year last year. I don't know what to make of that. And this year, you know, I just, Russell Wilson... He's a potential Hall of Fame quarterback. Basically, by the way, <clears throat> feels like he's playing himself out of a Hall of Fame career, potentially, by, by playing badly and playing average and not doing notable stuff. But the great Russell Wilson, you can't allow, if you have a massive lead, you got to keep scoring. You can't allow a team like Washington to come back and beat you. And I know it's on the defense and all this, all this other stuff, but um, I, I would love to hear from Denver Broncos fans. I don't feel great about what's going on in Denver with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Now, I, I mentioned them. I, I feel like I should. I don't have a lot to say about Washington. I feel like the story really is that the Broncos blew the lead. They're 0-2. But I, I got to credit Washington. The Commanders are 2-0. Great way to start the year. Awesome win for them. Coming back, down 18 points to come back and win. The Commanders are 2-0. Good for them. Um, and a good win by Washington. Another team that's 2-0, Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are also 2-0. Tampa beat Chicago 27-17, and it feels like Baker has found a home. Baker Mayfield was 26 for 34 passing, 317 yards, one touchdown, zero turnovers in this football game. Mike Evans had six catches for 171 yards and a touchdown. 
You know, Tampa couldn't come to a deal. They, they didn't give Mike Evans a contract before the year started. And he's playing like a guy that wants to be paid. It's baffling to me they couldn't work it out because Mike Evans is fantastic, has been for a long time in Tampa. If they let him go to free agency, he's going to walk away to a contender and make a lot of money, I would imagine, after this year. Now, after this football game, the Bears are 0-2. And if I was a Bears fan, I would be worried. Justin Fields was sacked six times in this football game, and a lot of them were because he held onto the ball too long, extended plays, didn't throw it away, took he took sacks. It wasn't like him having no chance. I saw Zach Wilson take, get sacked a couple times against Dallas today, where Zach Wilson had no shot. He snapped the ball, and within a second, he had Micah Parsons taking him to the ground. That wasn't the case with Justin Fields. He was just holding onto the ball too long and allowing the pass rush to get home. And... Uh, you know, Justin Fields threw two interceptions at the end of the fourth quarter. One, he threw a pick six on a screen pass. They were down three points, 20-17, to 17, trying to put together a drive to take the lead or tie the game. And instead of doing that, it gave them a 10-point um, deficit. It gave the Buccaneers a 27-17 to 17 lead. So Justin Fields didn't look great. The offense in general in two games hasn't looked very good in Chicago. And you've got a defensive head coach, Matt Eberflus, whose defense doesn't even look good. It's really bad. I mean, I watched a play third and 14. Tampa's was third and 14. And they the, the Bears defense allowed a touchdown pass to Mike Evans. We were like, how do you allow that? How do you allow him to get behind you? And, and, and just Chicago's all bad. So many frustrating things happen watching the Chicago Bears game. The Bears are not 0-2. They play Kansas City next at Kansas City. And uh, Bears fans, I, I thought the Bears were going to be a team that wouldn't win very many games, but at least was going to be fun to watch and exciting and interesting. But the Bears have not been fun. They've just been bad. Not not losing and exciting, but no, losing and, and awful and, and ugly. And uh, man, I, I really go back to Matt Eberflus is a nice man. He's a good defensive coordinator. They should have hired an offensive coach, an offensive head coach to work with Justin Fields and get the most out of his talent. And it's increasingly feeling like they hired the wrong guy, they're not helping Justin Fields the way he needs, and on top of that, the guy they hired, a defensive coach, doesn't even have a good defense in Chicago, so what are we doing? It's all bad. It's really, really bad what's going on. It reminds me of Brandon Staley uh, in L.A. Brandon Staley, by the way, the Chargers lost to Tennessee today on Sunday, uh, on Sunday. and uh, it goes back to if you're a defensive head coach, your defense has to be good. Like, Robert Sala is a defensive head coach in New York with the Jets. Say what you want about his quarterback situation, but the Jets' defense is really good. The thing he hangs his hat on at least delivers every game. And uh, we don't see that with Brandon Staley, and we don't see that with Matt Eberflus. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. It's a letdown. And it's bad. We are talking about the Jets. The Jets, uh, it was a bad game for them. Dallas beat the Jets 30-10 to on Sunday. Zach Wilson made his first official start, replacing the injured Aaron Rodgers. Zach Wilson was 12 for 27 passing at 170 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. All three interceptions were in the fourth quarter. And uh, in the next four games, the Patriots, sorry, the Jets play the Patriots. The Jets' next four games are the Patriots, Kansas City, Denver, and then Philly. And it's so disappointing because I can't help but wondering... Like, watching them lose by 20 points to the Dallas Cowboys, 
you know, I, I know that I think every team is going to struggle to some degree against the Cowboys defense because the Cowboys defense is so good. They have great pass rush. They've got good corners. They're going to make every defense have a t- or every offense have a tough time. Every team that plays against Dallas is going to have a tough time on offense. But, man, I, I did wonder watching the Jets game what would have happened if Aaron Rodgers had played for the Jets. What would have Aaron Rodgers been able to do? He might have got sacked a bunch. We don't know. I mean, I think actually Zach Wilson is more mobile than Aaron Rodgers was. <clears throat> but man, you know, not a great performance. Zach Wilson did the best he could. Zach Wilson's best right now is just not very good. Uh, Garrett Wilson was open multiple times, did not get the ball when he was open. That's a huge difference. I think Aaron Rodgers would have fed the ball repeatedly to, Zach, to, to Garrett Wilson. There was a play, got picked off, where... Zach Wilson stared down Garrett Wilson. Instead of holding the safety in the middle, he stared it down, allowing the safety to follow his eyes and track the ball. And it was, instead of a huge throw to Garrett Wilson, who badly beat the corner, it was an interception because Zach Wilson wasn't disciplined with his eyes, holding the safety in the middle and working, you know, trusting. Garrett Wilson's going to win outside. I got to hold the safety and then work my way back over to the left. He didn't do that. Um, Zach Wilson made multiple mistakes in this football game. And I, I want to believe, man, he is talented. He makes he had a throw that was ruled out of bounds um, where running to his left, flips his hips, throws a great ball down the left sideline. You're like, that's a beautiful throw. And Tony Romo during the game was like, that's an amazing throw. It, it got ruled out of bounds. There was also a penalty on it. But like he, there are flashes of talent from Zach Wilson, but not enough. And he does too many little things wrong to succeed despite his talent. Now, Garrett Wilson took a five-step slant for a 68-yard touchdown. He made a great play, huge run after the catch. And and watching that play made me very sad, actually, because it's so clear that Garrett Wilson's talent is being wasted by not having a great quarterback. It's just like, oh, man, it's wasted potential and wasted talent here with Garrett Wilson, who get this man a great quarterback, please. He's open so often and not getting the football. And, uh, oh, man, I, you know, I I have hope. I like Zach Wilson. I'm rooting for him, but um, it, it's not going well. Two games in, Zach Wilson replacing Aaron Rodgers, not good. All right, I got to take a short break. We got to pay the bills. After the break, we're going to talk about Colorado and then Alabama. Hey, guys, uh, it's kind of a big deal here. I'm actually trying to help you, so don't skip the ad. I know that when you listen to a podcast, you skip ahead I know that because that's what I do, but don't skip this one. We got Factor as a sponsor, and I was sitting down to prepare my little ad read. They give, you know, I, I write a piece of paper with a bunch of notes, and I'm like, okay, what are they offering? What's the deal here? Usually it's like 10 to 20%. You're like, okay, factor.com slash SOS, whatever. And uh, no, 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 they are offering 50% off to Strong Opinion Sports listeners, and here's what they are. They are, Factor is a meal kit service. You can get 50% off. Go to factormeals.com slash SOS50 and use code SOS50 and uh, straight up on a human level. If you'd be kind of silly not to investigate. It's a great deal. Factor is a meal kit service. They send you ready-to-eat meals. Uh, they're easy to prepare. For me, they showed up in a box with a bunch of high-quality ice packs. You take them out of the box. You put the, the meal kits in the fridge. And when you want food, you go to the fridge. You take it out. You put the thing in the microwave, you heat it up. Two minutes later, you've got a really good meal ready to go. Now, the microwave part made me kind of go, what is this? Is it a bunch of TV dinners? Like, what is this crap? No, no, no. This is phenomenal food. It's high quality. It's never frozen. 
And compared to all the other options you can have for a quick and easy meal, it kind of kicks booty and is phenomenal. So what I really think is interesting, too, there's so many ways to customize your order, whether you are maybe you're on a diet and you're like, hey, I'm trying to cut calories. There are low calorie options. Or maybe you just want really good food that's easy to make and doesn't take 30 minutes to an hour out of your time cooking during the day. Like for me. I'm really busy with football season, and it's an incredibly valuable thing for me to go to my fridge, grab a really good meal, pull it out, put it in the microwave. Two minutes later, I've got a good meal ready to go. I saved a lot of time. It's cheaper for you and better than takeout or delivery. I used to drive for a delivery service. Guys, those prices are not good compared to this. Um, So, again, it's just nice to have the fridge loaded with high-quality good meals that are easy to prepare and you can get 50% off of this meal kit service. Do the math. That's a really good offer. So head to factormeals.com slash SOS50 and use code SOS50 to get 50% off. That is factormeals.com slash SOS50. Use code SOS50 to get 50% off. Again, code SOS50 at factormeals.com slash SOS50 to get 50% off and, uh, Guys, it's a great offer. You would be silly. I'm trying to help you. Like, that would be a great thing to investigate because it's legitimately a great deal. Food's expensive right now, and having food that's great and convenient and not terrible for you is a rare thing. So investigate it, factorymeals.com slash SOS50. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very well. Um, I am just coughing up yellow phlegm a ton. I am very sick. I'm not doing well. I'm on medication right now. I'm trying my best, but uh, I, I I think I will be much better Tuesday when re- I record next, but today I'm pushing through. I hope you're patient with me. One thing I learned from the last episode on Friday is that this microphone setup, this recording studio is is amazing because no matter what is happening in the background, it could be a dog barking, it could be insane jet planes. It could be the police department, the fire department coming down the street. You guys can't hear anything in the background. And that makes me feel very confident and very comfortable. So I, from here on out, I know now that when stuff is going on outside in the background, you can't hear anything. And uh, it makes me proud. I work really hard. I think if nothing else, I'm a pretty solid audio engineer. And uh, it makes me glad that I can filter out the background noise and make it so you can't hear anything going on other than what's happening in this room me talking into this microphone. Uh, the exciting game in college football this weekend was Colorado beating Colorado State 43-35. to Colorado beat Colorado State 43-35 to in double overtime. And this game was so much fun to watch. Shitter Sanders, the Colorado quarterback, was 38 for 47 passing. Uh, that's nine incomplete passes on basically, you know, 47 attempts. That's almost 50 threw for 348 yards, had an interception, but he threw four touchdown passes. And uh, Colorado, they were down 11 points in the fourth quarter. Like, this was a great game to watch because they came back, they won, it was fun, it was dramatic. Colorado got got the ball on their own two-yard line. I remember when Colorado State was punting on, like, their 45-yard line with two and a half minutes left. I'm like, I wouldn't punt this ball. I would not give the ball back to Shitter Sanders in Colorado. But then Colorado State has a perfect, beautiful punt, gets downed inside the two-yard line. So what that did was give Colorado the ball down eight points. So you got to get a touchdown and a two-point conversion. So Colorado ball down eight on your own two-yard line to two minutes and six seconds left. I'm like, hey, I I thought you should have gone for it, but you know what? 
make yeah, make Shadur Sanders drive 98 yards, and that's exactly what he did. It reminded me of the drive from John Elway, 98-yard drive. The Colorado Buffaloes did it in a minute and 30 seconds. So they get the ball two minutes and six seconds left. With 36 seconds left, they scored a touchdown to tie to to make it a two-point game. Then they got the two-point conversion to force overtime. They won in overtime. It was dramatic. It was fun. And as a fan of football, as a guy rooting for Colorado, I had a great time. It was tense. It was dramatic. It was interesting. It was just an all-around really fun game to watch if you just watch that football game. However, if you take a step back and look big picture-wise at Colorado and their season, it was concerning. Colorado plays next week at Oregon. Then after that, they play against USC. And if Colorado would beat Colorado State 55-14, to I would feel really confident about the Oregon and USC games. But they barely beat Colorado State, a Mountain West school, in double overtime. And, you know, Colorado State, by the way, had four turnovers and 17 penalties for 182 yards. It wasn't like Colorado had their best, Colorado State played their best game. Colorado State was handing opportunity after opportunity to Colorado. Like, if Colorado State had a couple less penalties, they had big plays. They had touchdowns called back. They had a big throw before halftime down at the two-yard line called back for holding. Like, constant penalties from Colorado State is part of why Colorado won this football game. It felt like they were—Colorado was given a big help from their opponent, Colorado State. And, uh, man, it, it feels like Colorado won a close game that should not have been close, if I'm totally honest. Now, Colorado State hung around. I, I want to give them credit because they made some good plays, but it's hard to respect Colorado State because they played really dirty. I counted. There's not an official tracker of this. You can only There's only a way to—the stats only track total penalties. They had 17 total penalties. But I counted nine personal fouls in this football game for Colorado State, including a late cheap shot. On their star player, Travis Hunter, a Heisman Trophy candidate, plays corner and receiver. And that knocked Travis Hunter out of the game. He played like a couple more plays and then didn't return after halftime. And I guess if you can't stop Travis Hunter, you just injure him? It's it's not good sportsmanship. It's horrible to me. How can you respect that? Colorado State safety, Henry Blackburn, is a player that... I just have no respect for I don't know how. I think he's a captain, too. You're like, how is that possible? This guy plays with no class. Um, I guess from a competitive standpoint, you're trying to knock their best player out of the game, and that works. But hit him hard on a play where it matters. The ball is on the ground. It's an incomplete pass. And after the play is over, Nick Blackburn just completely levels Travis Hunter. Probably broke a rib. We don't know what happened yet. We're waiting on a diagnosis. But he's going to miss a couple games. He's going to miss both the... Oregon game and the USC game, that's frustrating, man. Like, Nick Blackburn, what are you doing? It's just so poor uh, when it comes to sportsmanship there. And Colorado State on the day, late hits, cheap shots. Like, I don't know how you can respect Colorado State. I want to because they played a good game. They made it interesting with Colorado. But, oh, man, Colorado State, they played the villain role really well. They really did. It's almost like they wanted us to hate them. They talked smack to Deion Sanders, which I don't know why you would ever do that. Bunch of late hits. They knock America's favorite player, Travis Hunter, out of the game with a late, a late cheap shot. Somehow Nick Blackburn didn't get tossed out of the football game. I don't know, man. I, Colorado State, like I said, they play the villain role really well. And I'm just glad Colorado won. Colorado's 3-0 now. But 
you know, I'm not sure if they're going to beat Oregon next week. You know, they play on the road at Oregon. Oregon's pretty good. Um, what I will say, I, I, you know, my my confidence has been lowered in Colorado. They struggled in the first half against Nebraska. They barely beat Colorado State, a Mountain West school, in double overtime. Who, by the way, Colorado State lost like 50 to 24 to Washington State. So that's kind of a benchmark to see how good Colorado State really is. Um, the only thing I'll say, my confidence in Colorado, Deion Sanders' program, is long-term really high. I still think eventually he's going to win a national title. The more I think about Dion, I don't think he's going to leave Colorado. I think he's actually just going to build what he's doing there. He's got a great view of the mountains. He's got a good situation. I don't think Dion. I don't see Dion leaving for a Florida State or um, a, I don't know, what LSU, nothing like that. I think Dion's like, why would I leave? I got a great gig here. I've got this advantage where I play at elevation. So people got to come to us and struggle in elevation. Um and Dion can build his program his way and be the man and get to do whatever he wants in Colorado. Why would he ever leave? So, you know, I'm not sure if they beat Oregon next week or USC in two weeks, but certainly I really believe in the direction Colorado is going. And the one thing I'll say is that all three times I've watched Colorado this year, week one against TCU, last week against Nebraska, this weekend against Colorado State, every time I've watched them, they have delivered with a great game. It's been really fun and worth watching. And so... Um, you know, I don't know if they beat Oregon. I can't imagine it's not going to be entertaining when they play at Oregon this next weekend. I'm, I just hope it's fun and interesting. Even if they lose, if they, if they fight hard and it's close, I'll be happy with that. If they win, I'd be elated, but, uh, I gotta be realistic here. A, an unconvincing performance from Colorado, narrowly beating Colorado State in double overtime, which did hurt my confidence overall in the program this year. All right. Alabama's in trouble. Alabama beat South Florida 17 to 3 on Saturday. It was rough. It was 3 to 3 at halftime. Um, they did not play their quarterback, Jalen Milrow, at all. He was benched after the loss to Texas last weekend. So they played Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner at quarterback. They combined for 10 completed passes. It was ugly. Tyler Buckner started. He was 5 for 14 passing at 34 yards. He was benched before halftime even arrived. I thought for sure he played at least a halftime, then they benched him, but no, no, no. He got benched before halftime. Then Ty Simpson came in, led them on a field goal drive. He scored all 17 points, or he he was the quarterback on all 17 points uh, of the drive. All the drives where Alabama scored, all 17 points was Tyler was it was Ty Simpson at quarterback. I'm struggling here, but Ty Simpson was five for nine at 73 yards. Like Ty Simpson wasn't much better either. There was some rain. It was tough to throw the ball in, I guess, but you know, Alabama. In the first three games, they have switched between three different quarterbacks. And to me, it feels really impatient. I think Alabama should go back to their former quarterback, Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow has a lot to learn. He struggles reading coverages. He has a lot of downsides. I'm not arguing Jalen Milrow is amazing. But he's really talented. He's got a great deep ball. He's a great runner of the football. I think they could have used Jalen Milrow against South Florida, to be totally honest. In a bad situation, it was really rainy. His ability to run around and scramble would have been a huge asset in that football game. And instead of giving up on Jalen Milrow, how about you coach him up? How about you teach him how to play quarterback better? Nick Saban is this legendary head coach known for his, his reputation is, I turn players into NFL players. Why are you afraid of coaching up Jalen Milrow and just making him a better quarterback? He's the most talented quarterback on that roster by far. 
And it's baffling to me they're not willing to deal with the downside to get the upside he brings and just work with him and coach him up and make him better. It's really sad. Alabama's got a quarterback problem either way. But I can't imagine long-term Ty Simpson or Tyler Buckner's really a better option than Jalen Milrow. He's going to have bad plays. He's got a lot to learn. But he's explosive. He can run for a lot of yards. He can make his deep ball's way better. He's got a bigger, better arm than Tyler Buckner or Ty Simpson. I just think Alabama's making a mistake by not giving Jalen Milrow a longer leash. And instead of benching him, how about you teach him and help him and coach him up? And uh, to me, it's frustrating and disappointing to see Alabama, a team that is historic for developing NFL players. And they have this great reputation for coaching people up and developing them. But in this situation, they're not willing to coach up or develop Jalen Milrow, who is so obviously the most talented quarterback. It's very frustrating and nonsensical to me. <clears throat> now, uh, last thing I want to say today, BYU had a nice win over Arkansas. It was pretty cool. I watched it. Uh, BYU beat Arkansas 38-31. to It's a big win, beating an SEC team on the road at Arkansas. And a friend of the show, Keaton Slovis, had two touchdown passes, both of them in the second half. Played a clean game, no turnover. Shout out to Keaton Slovis beating Arkansas at Arkansas. I love to see it. Well done, Keaton. And, uh, man, hey, really cool to see BYU knock off Arkansas on the road. An SEC program and, uh... Man, the SEC has a lot of non-conference wins to start the year, don't they? Florida losing to um, Utah, BYU losing to BYU beating Arkansas, South Carolina losing to North Carolina. There's a lot. I mean, it goes on and on. There's a lot of losses from the SEC early in the season, losing non-conference games. And uh, man, that's interesting, given that we're seeing college football right now basically shift to it's the SEC and the Big Ten, and no one else matters. It's like, well, a lot of teams are beating SEC programs, so. It's interesting to me. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. My throat hurts. My head hurts. I got a headache. My stomach hurts. Everything hurts. I'm coughing up just yellow phlegm. It's horrible. Uh, so I'm going to go. I'll see you on Tuesday. Again, I invite feedback. I'm going to watch the 49ers game. I'm going to watch the Battle of the Rookie Quarterbacks, Houston and Indianapolis uh, tomorrow. What other games am I missing? Other than the Monday night games, obviously, but... Are there games I'm not paying attention to that I should have been? Was there something exciting that happened I didn't know? Because I just felt like it was kind of an average week of NFL football, if I'm totally honest. And I, I want feedback and to be uh, corrected if I'm wrong about that. Guys, I love you. Appreciate you. Have a great day. And uh, pa bam, we are